Lord is with you. Lift up your hearts. It is good to be with God and with one another on this last Sunday of the Epiphany season, Transfiguration Sunday. The Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, Dean of the Chapel, and Brother Larry Whitney, University Chaplain for Community Life, are with us in prayer and spirit as they visit with friends and family this weekend, and our prayers are with them for a blessed time and traveling mercies as they return to us this week. Our preacher this morning is our own Elizabeth Siwo Akundi, Chapel Associate for Students of African Descent, Chaplain to our Inner Strength Gospel Choir, and a PhD candidate in Practical Theology at Boston University School of Theology. We are blessed with her message to us this morning. We are also pleased to welcome as organist, along with our own Justin Blackwell, Ms. Hyunji Kim, who is a Master of Sacred Music candidate at Boston University School of Theology and will offer our postlude this morning. We are welcome in this place and in this time here in the sanctuary at Marsh Chapel in the heart of Boston University, in the heart of the city of Boston, here through National Public Radio, WBUR 90.9 FM, and through webcast and podcast throughout the world. And now, dearly beloved, now and throughout this service, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, in the praise and worship of God.
together. O God, who before the passion of your only begotten Son revealed his glory upon the holy mountain, grant to us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. We are invited to a period of silent confession during the singing of the Kyrie.
Dearly beloved, hear the good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the second book of Kings, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Now the wife of a member of the company of prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. But a creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in the house? She answered, Your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. He said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not just a few. Then go in and shut the door behind you and your children, and start pouring the oil into all these vessels. When each is full, set it aside. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her children. They kept bringing vessels to her and she kept pouring. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. But he said to her, there are no more. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your children can live on the rest. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
please join me as we pray Psalm 50, verses 1 through 6, responsively with the Antiphon. summons the earth, from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence, before whom is a devouring fire, round about whom is a mighty tempest. God calls to the heavens above and to the earth, that people may be judged. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare God's righteousness, for God himself is judge. St. Mark, chapter 9, verses 2 through 9. Glory to you, O Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, 
one for Moses and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
To God who is great and powerful, glorious, splendid, and majestic. To the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, Dean of Marsh Chapel, and upon whose invitation I stand before you. To the ministers, members, and visitors of Marsh Chapel, here, joining us by radio or by internet, I greet you this morning. Our scripture lesson is taken from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Our topic, but a creditor has come. May you join me in prayer. Dear God, I pray that I speak not a word more nor a word less than that which you have given me to preach. May your people be open to receiving this word from you. Amen. In verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 4, we are told, Now the wife of a member of the company of prophets cried to the prophet Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. So right away we understand that this nameless, ageless woman is not just a wife, no, she is a widow, a woman whose husband has died. She is talking to the prophet Elisha, who seems to be the leader of the company of prophets, the prophetic group of which her husband was a member. She continues, And you know that your servant feared the Lord. This nameless, ageless widow is reminding the prophet of the ministerial capacity in which her husband served. And not only that her husband served God, but he feared God. In her brief sentence, this widow woman once reminds the prophet that the dead man was her husband, but twice reminds the prophet that the dead man was a servant of God. She is emphasizing the point that he was a servant of God. He feared God. He was faithful to God. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but a creditor has come. This widow woman is making it clear to the prophet that because her husband feared God, a creditor should not be coming. The one word, but, says it all. My husband served God, but a creditor has come. My husband feared God, but a creditor has come. My husband left the house early and stayed out late serving God, but a creditor has come. And after all that my husband did in service to God, it doesn't make sense that a creditor would come to my house. But a creditor has come to take. Now, we don't have to finish the rest of this sentence to know that anytime we hear the words creditor and take in the same sentence, not a good thing. Apparently, this widow had a debt that she needed to pay and obviously could not pay it. For if she could, then the creditor would not be coming to take anything from her. Now, we don't know much about this debt. It may have occurred shortly after her husband's death as a result of his death, or maybe she spent all of the money paying for the funeral. Funerals are expensive. But maybe this debt was accumulated by her husband as he was out there busy doing the work of God. Or maybe someone simply took advantage of this widow woman. Regardless of when or how it occurred, this debt must have occurred over a period of time because creditors usually don't just come knocking on our doors. Now I've heard that they give us a grace period. We can give an excuse, plead our case, talk about why we cannot make the payment. 
Then they set up a payment plan. We can pay the debt in easy monthly installments. Then they add a late fee or increase our interest rates. We can pay the debt quickly because the high figures do scare us. After a while, they simply cut off our credit. But the creditors do not just leave us alone and forget about the matter, the matter that would likely haunt us for another seven years. No, it is at this point that they start to call us, write us letters, and then they come after us. This widow woman must have gone through all of these steps and still could not work out anything with the creditor. Perhaps many of us can relate to this widow woman. During this time of economic hardship, many of us have exhausted all avenues of payment. We, like the widow woman, have come to discover that creditors are interested in one thing and one thing alone, payment. It does not matter the circumstance or condition in which we find ourselves, a creditor has come. Whether or not the plant closed or the corporation downsized, a creditor has come. Whether or not we bought a house through a loan that we thought we could afford but discovered that we could not, a creditor has come. Beloved, a creditor has come. Whether or not we lost our savings and investments in scandals or downright stupidity, a creditor has come. Whether or not we did everything right and borrowed during good times with every intention of paying back the original amount, a creditor has come. Whether or not we had to pay for unforeseen medical expenses or tuition, a creditor has come. And whether or not we've served God and been faithful, a creditor has come. In the case of the widow woman, the creditor does not care that her husband has just died. It does not matter that her husband had been a servant of God. The creditor is simply concerned about the debt being paid. And the creditor, like creditors today, knew exactly where this widow woman lived and came knocking on her door. She continues, but a creditor has come to take my two children as slaves. This creditor is willing to take anything, or in this case, anyone, as payment for the debt. Whatever is of greatest value is up for grabs. Their last conversation must have ended something like, oh, you don't have any money? Don't worry about it, widow woman. I'll just come take your children as slaves. They can work off the debt for you. For many of us, the creditor's words seem a bit harsh and even in violation of some human rights standards, but in those days, it was not uncommon to have children work to pay the debt of others. Horrifyingly enough, this practice still happens in many places across the globe. This creditor wants to take away the widow's children, her orphan children. Notice that the widow woman does not speak ill of the creditor, rather she simply states the facts. The creditor is not necessarily a bad person. The creditor provided what creditors provide and is simply coming to take what is due according to the standards of that society. Upon hearing the widow woman's situation, Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Finally, a sympathetic response. Imagine the thoughts going through this widow woman's mind. Well, prophet, man of God, since my husband, your servant, worked for you and God all of these years, you can simply pay off the debt. I keep my children, the creditor leaves me alone, and you return to serving God. Elisha continues, tell me, what do you have in the house? 
Your servant has nothing, responds the widow woman. Her private thoughts keep running. Oh, this prophet is so kind. No wonder he's a man of God. I really don't have anything, so he probably wants to help me out by giving me a few items to stock in my cupboards and feed my children until I can find something on my own. In all of her thinking, the widow woman remembers her empty house. No furniture, no clothes, no plants, no shoes, no toys, no curtains, no food, no jar of coins, absolutely nothing in this house. Maybe she pauses, thinks about it for a while, and then adds, except a jar of oil. I have nothing in this house except a jar of oil. But rather than offering to pay off the debt, rather than offering to stock her cupboards, the prophet Elisha directs her, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not just a few. Beloved, this is not the plan that the widow woman had in mind. Prophet or no prophet, this plan sounded ridiculous. He wanted her to walk up and down the streets and ask her neighbors for empty vessels, empty containers. We're talking about jars, cups, bowls, vessels, you name it, and not just a few. It was bad enough to be buried in debt and not know how she was going to feed herself and her children, but to go around begging and borrowing from neighbors? No, absolutely not. How was this plan going to help her? It certainly wasn't going to do anything for her self-esteem. At least when she was by herself, she could hold on to her pride. No one else had to know that she was struggling, similar to how some of us are doing right now. She could put on a mask for the rest of the world and tell her children to keep their mouths shut because we know that some social service agency would have been all over this situation. But this plan, this plan meant that people would know that she was in need. Even if they did not know why she was collecting the vessels, they could still figure out that something was not quite right. And not only that, she would be the talk of the town, the talk of the church, and the talk of the entire community. Can't we just hear the neighbors now? That woman down the street, you know, the one whose husband just died? Well, she thought she was something when her husband was alive, but look at her now, begging for containers. What a shame, what a shame. And others would say, her husband was a man of God? What kind of God would have her running around looking like a fool? And still others, just between the two of us, so-and-so's mother must be on some kind of something. She was over here begging for jars and stuff, and I could have sworn that she was wearing the same thing that she wore yesterday. We know how people are. Not us, but other people. So the plan was for her to go and gather vessels from her neighbors, and not just a few. Not just a few. In other words, she could not just stop after two or three neighbors because she would only get a few vessels. Plus, she would have to take into account the neighbors who were not home and those who would simply say no. Elisha continues with the plan. After gathering the vessels, and not just a few, then go in, shut the door behind you and your children. So she was to bring all those vessels into the house, and lucky for her, she doesn't have anything in there anyway, except a jar of oil, and shut the door behind her and her orphan children. We know nothing about these children, their ages, or whether or not they knew the details about this debt. But we do know that her children had to be in the house with her once the door was shut. But here's the craziest part of Alicia's instructions to her. He says that once they are in the house, she should start pouring into all these vessels, 
When each is full, set it aside. The obvious question becomes, how will a little bit of oil fill one vessel, let alone many vessels? Beloved, at this point, the widow woman has to make a decision. For years, she had watched her husband go to the prophet and serve God. Ordinarily, her husband would have been the one to deal with such matters, but now her husband was dead, the debt was present, and the creditor has come. What do you do when the creditor has come? In her desperation, the widow woman went to the prophet because that was all that she knew how to do. Just as we hope that our debts will somehow be erased and our investments restored, she expected and hoped that the prophet would simply pay off her debt. In the least, he could go and talk to the creditor on her behalf and explain her desperate circumstance. But instead, the man of God directs her and her children to participate in some elaborate, nonsensical scheme that would surely embarrass her and ruin her husband's good name. When the debt was made, this family had every intention of paying off the debt. And we too can relate to that. Many of us made purchases and investments when times were good. We never imagined that we would not be able to pay off those debts, or that we would lose our jobs and investments, or that the economy would be at record lows. But the present circumstances made it impossible for this widow woman to pay off the debt. No matter what she tried, Nothing seemed to work. But here is an amazing thing about this widow woman. She did not just ask the question of what do I do now that the creditor has come. She did not just sit around and complain about her circumstances or even curse God. Instead, she turned to the prophet of the very God that her husband served and reminded him that her husband was faithful in service to God but a creditor has come nonetheless. Somewhere in her thought process, the widow woman had a realization. For all those years, her faith in God was through her husband. Many of us have faith in God through our parents, our grandparents, our religious leaders, and our loved ones. But now, in the absence of her husband, the prophet Elisha was calling her to have her own faith and to demonstrate that faith by going out, getting some vessels, and filling those vessels with a little bit of oil that she had. He was calling her to abandon what intellect would try to convince her was a ridiculous idea, but instead to rely on the very God that she had come to know and understand through her husband. He was calling her to prepare for that which God was about to do. Somewhere between her leaving the prophets and the next part of verse 5, the widow woman must have gone to her neighbors, borrow the vessels and not just a few, and return to the house. She shut the door behind her and her children. They kept bringing vessels to her, and she kept pouring. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. But he said to her, there are no more. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your children can live on the rest. This prophet 
was essentially sharing words that would later be made popular by another prophet. When a creditor has come, your faith can save you. When a creditor has come, your faith has saved you. From the moment she decided to take action, the faith that she had known by association with her husband became her own faith. So beloved, when the creditor has come, we too are faced with a decision. Amen. Now is the time of our service to offer our prayers to God. You may sit, stand, kneel, or come to the altar rail as according to your tradition. And now, please join me in singing, Lead Me, Lord. Now let us pray for the church in the world. I will conclude each prayer with merciful God. Please respond with hear our prayer. God, we pray for the church universal, ecumenical councils, churches and other places in our country and abroad and their leaders, and for us here on Commonwealth Avenue at Marsh Chapel. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for the nations and all those who are in authority, especially now as we face economic turmoil and a new president leading the country. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for justice and peace in all the world in the midst of war, poverty, and selfishness. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for the health of those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, that you may bring comfort. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for the needs of families, single people, and the lonely. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for reconciliation with adversaries so that we may be an example of your love. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray, we pray for all who are oppressed or in prison. Merciful God, hear our prayer. We pray for our local community in Boston and all other communities so that your healing and gracious presence would shine in the dark places. And now we join together in saying the prayer that your Son has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. peace of Christ be always with you. Please help us to get to know you and to help you get to know each other by passing the red friendship pads at the end of each row. And those with us online and on the radio, we would love to hear from you as well. There is also online giving that is available at the Marsh Chapel website. This week is the start of Lent. So please join us this Wednesday for uh, the Ash Wednesday services that are being held here at Marsh Chapel. Now walk in love as Christ loves us. <clears throat>
blessed your people with so much, we thank you. And we offer these gifts out of love and thanksgiving. Use these gifts to further your kingdom in this world through your Holy Son who gave himself to and for the world. Amen. interrupted by that phrase, but a creditor has come. May we remember the widow woman and how she moved beyond having faith in God through her husband to develop her own faith in God. 
May that kind of faith lead us and guide us this day and this week till we meet again. Amen.